You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 38th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today, I want to talk with you about the language of mental freedom. When you embark on a practice of mental freedom, one of the quickest ways to incorporate the concepts into your life is through a conscious awareness of the language you use. There are many colloquialisms in the English language that are disempowering and victimizing. Mental freedom is the exact opposite of those. In mental freedom, you're working to accomplish two major things, taking responsibility for everything you do and empowering yourself to become response-able in the areas you want to change. Being cautious about the language you use will accelerate the pace to positive results. One of the first things to pay attention to is how often you tell yourself and others that you have to do something. The truth is there's only one thing you have to do and that is eventually one day die. Until that moment, every other thing you do because you want to. If you truly didn't want to do it, you wouldn't. I know there will be many of you hearing this and think that I'm crazy. There's all kinds of things people genuinely believe they have to do. They don't. Think about it. How often do you tell yourself one of these? I have to make my bed, do my homework, clean the house, do the laundry, cook dinner, take care of the kids, visit my sick Aunt Sally, mow the grass, go to work, and pay the bills. But do you really have to? You don't have to make your bed. There may be reasons you prefer it made, but you really don't have to make it. You can get into it unmade. You don't have to do your homework. You might want to do your homework if you want to grasp the subject material or get a good grade. You really don't have to clean the house. It's possible to live in chaos and filth. It's also possible to hire someone else to clean the house. You don't have to do the laundry. You could wear dirty clothes, move to a nudist colony, or buy new ones whenever you run out of clean clothes. You also don't have to take care of your kids. When I worked in foster care, I knew several parents who tested that theory. There are agencies and relatives who will do that for you. You don't have to visit your sick Aunt Sally. She's going to be sick whether you visit or not. You can stay home and do the things you would prefer to do instead. You don't have to mow your lawn either. You can let it grow, pave it, or build a rock garden instead. You also don't have to have a job, go to work, or pay your bills. You could live homeless, become self-sufficient, or maybe live in a relative's basement. This may sound crazy, and you may be thinking, how is anything I'm suggesting responsible? The idea is to switch in your head that you have to do anything. You don't. Instead, switch from thinking you have to, to you want to, or you get to. The only ingredient you'll need to do that is your reason or your why. Why do you do those things you tell yourself you have to do? There's always a reason. Let's just take a look at some reasons for each of these things. It may not be your issue or your reason, but if it isn't your reason, think about what your reason really is. 
People generally want to make their bed because it makes their room look neat or because they like the feel of getting into a bed with straightened sheets. They usually do their homework because they want to practice what they've learned to solidify the information or to get a good grade. They clean the house because they like order or living in a neat and clean environment. They cook dinner because they like to eat, are hungry, and want to nourish themselves and their family. They take care of their children because they love them and they want them to be healthy and safe. People visit their sick aunts because they are being the person they want to be. People mow their grass to have a neat yard and be a responsible neighbor. They go to work and pay their bills so they have a house to live in, a car to drive, and utilities to use. When you can stop thinking the things you do are because you have to and instead are because you want to or you get to, the entire experience changes. You might also want to eliminate the shoulds and musts from your life. These are just different versions of have-tos. When you tell yourself these things, they cast you in the role of victim, which will never help you feel more empowered. When you use them with others, you become self-righteous, believing you know what's best for someone else. No one can know what's best for another person. You can look at their situation and determine what you think would be best if you were in that situation, but you are not that person. You have different values, needs, behaviors, desires, and perceptions, so it's impossible for you to tell someone else what they should or shouldn't do with any degree of accuracy. It's not for you to say. It's not your life. You won't have to live with the consequences of those choices. Another thing you may have a habit of saying is, I can't. Whenever I'm working with a client on mental freedom and they say, I can't, I like to respond with, well, you could, but you might not want to. Or, you could, but it might not work out the way you want. It's important to not box yourself in by limiting your options. I've had the same personal assistant for many years, and she's an amazing person who is self-taught and teaches herself pretty much anything I need her to be able to do. And I remember early on when I would ask her, do you know how to do this? And her response was often, yeah, I don't know how to do that or I can't do that. And a day or two later, she'd call me up and she'd want me to look on my computer. And she had done exactly what she told me she couldn't do two days earlier. And so I got her in the habit of saying, I don't know how to do that yet, but I'll learn. And that changes everything. It's important to not box yourself in by limiting your options. When you're on the path to mental freedom, you're trying to expand your options instead of limiting them. Another thing you might not want to say is, I had no choice. This is an expression people use when they have no choices they like. There are always choices. You just may not like the options. If someone holds a gun to my head and wants me to do something I'd never choose, I could comply I could try to talk him out of hurting me, I could scream, I could run, or I could choose to fight. Most people comply because they want to live, and they believe that will increase their likelihood of staying alive. And if they try other alternatives, they could be more or less successful, but the choice is theirs to make. 
they're the ones that are going to have to live with those consequences. When you do any kind of counseling or social work, a common phrase you'll hear the helping professional make is, how did that make you feel? When you're on the path to mental freedom, you understand that studying your emotions lends very little to understanding what you need to do in a given situation. Our emotions generally exist as a signal for us to experience that helps us understand if we find a situation painful, pleasurable, or just neutral. I'm only interested in feelings when the person isn't sure how they're interpreting the situation. I might ask, how do you feel about it? But I wouldn't ask that canned counseling question, how did that make you feel? Because there's nothing external that can make you feel anything emotionally. I choose my emotions. I have the control to shift from feeling pain in a situation to feeling appreciation just by changing my thoughts. As a mental freedom person, I also don't often say a person made me happy, sad, or mad. No one has the power to make me feel anything. I choose my emotions, but not often consciously, unless I learn how to do that with the mental freedom techniques. This is true mental freedom, and you can learn how to do it too. This encompasses the notion that what happens to you isn't as important as how you respond. This is because we're generally powerless to affect the things that happen to us. Sometimes people just die or leave us in some other way. We lose our jobs. Our children get married. There are countless things that happen to us daily that we have no power and control over. Our power lies in our chosen responses to those incidents. Just like last week's podcast where I spoke about changing the stories you make up in your head. I would say decide who you want to be in any given situation and act in congruence with who that person is. You're not at the mercy of your original emotions to any situation. This is one example of being response-able when you weren't necessarily responsible for the original situation. When you're maintaining a mental freedom practice and working to take responsibility for the choices you make, it's not accurate to say, I had no time, I ran out of time, or there just wasn't time to do it. These are truly all cop-outs. The correct and honest thing to say is, I just didn't prioritize it, or I had other more important things I wanted to take care of. This may seem harsh to you, and may even to the person you are speaking with, but it has greater integrity and responsibility than I didn't have time. There may be reasons you choose not to do this because of the consequences to a relationship, but understand it is the truth, whether or not you express it. Another distinction to make when using mental freedom is a distinction between need and want. In mental freedom, there are five basic needs of all humans that echo the needs of Dr. Glasser's choice theory. People are biologically driven to get these five needs met on a daily basis in their life. Safety and security, connection, significance, freedom, and joy. It's correct to say you need these five things. However, everything else is simply a want. This distinction means you have specific ideas of the things that will satisfy your needs. 
But if for some reason you can't have what you want, you can always find something else that will work, just like the Rolling Stones taught us. That's what distinguishes a want from a need. You may want a car to get to and from work, but if you can't afford one, carpooling or a bicycle will work. You may be in love with someone who doesn't love you back. You don't need that person, you want them. Even without the love interest in your life, you can still have connection with family, friends, coworkers, and even pets. When you tell yourself what you want is actually a need, you can cause a lot of undue frustration for yourself. The last item you want to eliminate from your speech if you're on the path to mental freedom is the question, how can I get them to blank? Anytime you start a sentence with, how can I get them to, you know you're off the path of mental freedom. When you live your life according to the principles of mental freedom, you learn acceptance of others and their choices. That doesn't mean you will always approve of their choices, but you realize that you really don't have the right to tell others what you think they should do for two reasons. One, people need to make their own decisions about how to live their life. And two, you should be busy enough making the right choices for yourself to be worried about what other people are doing. Just because you accept other people's choices doesn't mean you have to like them. When people do what they do, you have to decide what kind of relationship you want to have with them, if any. There are people in my life I no longer associate with because it's hard to watch them self-destruct. There are others who see the world so different than I do. We have nothing in common anymore as a basis for our friendship. I use the example of addiction to underscore this issue. I don't believe anyone has the right to tell the people in our lives they need to get sober. We can let them know we wish that for them and we would like it if they did, that it's hard to watch the destruction and the desperate behaviors, but we need to recognize the ultimate decision is not ours. People make their own decisions. I don't like it, but I accept that it is their life and they have to live it the way they think is best. If you happen to love an addict and you accept their right to live their life in that way, if they want to, then you have some decisions to make. Namely, what will be your relationship with them going forward? You can enable their addiction. You can work on an intervention. You can love them, but not enable. You can love them from a distance, or you can cut them out of your life. You don't have a say in your loved one's behavior other than to express your opinion. But how involved with them you'll be is 100% your choice. And whatever decision you make, you need to make based on what is best for you. It shouldn't be made to try to get your loved one to stop using. That would mean you're using your relationship as leverage to get them to do what you think is best. It's at least possible that they believe using is their only way to survive. You can't know because you aren't them. You need to trust that they're doing the best they know to do with the information available to them. Should you have information that would help them in their decision-making, by all means, provide it. But don't continue to nag them with it. Provide the information and back off. Sometimes people are not making their best decisions if you're pushing them in your direction. There's a natural pushback that occurs when a person feels pressure from someone else. 
If they want to please, they might acquiesce and do things your way. If they want to show they're their own person, they'll do the opposite of what you want. The best way to ensure people make their best decisions is to keep your interests out of it. When you do, the other person is completely free to choose what they think is best. And since they're deciding for their own lives, that's the best way, since they will need to live with those consequences. If you're interested in participating in my Mental Freedom Group coaching package while there's a special pricing, I'm starting my second group soon. Just go to www.b as in boy, i as in india, t as in tom, dot l y forward slash capital m as in mary capital f as in frank capital c as in charlie and then lowercase o a c h i n g to get on the wait list i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll join me next week when i'll talk with you about the purposes our emotions serve and how to get them to work for you instead of against you I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.